Well, praise the Lord. I got a tail. Fellas calls me a dog all the time. Hallelujah. Don't forget that uh, we started last Sunday just believing God for a 90-day, a 90-day transfusion of his supernatural power, the impartation. And so what we're going to do is we're going to do an impartation service. That's going to happen April the 17th. That's a Sunday morning. And for miracles and signs and wonders, and I believe in that. And I believe in, in an impartation. And uh, so that Sunday morning, April the 17th, we're going to be coming together and we are going to start that 90-day explosion of evidence. Not just of the gospel of Christ, but the evidence of the gospel of Christ. Amen? Hallelujah. Well, praise God. I'm glad that you're with us here. Phyllis and I had a late night last night. She couldn't sleep, and I prayed she'd go to sleep. Hallelujah. You ever had somebody up that you didn't want to talk to? Well, hallelujah. <laughs> praise the Lord. But today is the day that the Lord hath made. Amen. And it is a day that we will rejoice in and see victory in, in Christ Jesus. Amen. No matter what you're facing, I'm telling you that Jesus is the answer to your problem. And so today, you know, there was an old song that used to be sung by, uh, what was his name? Jesus is the answer. Thank you. There you go. For the world today, he is the answer of our problem. Amen? And don't ever believe that it's too late, it's too far gone, or that it's too hard, too difficult, or that it's impossible. All of those are lies. All of those are accusations against a just, faithful God. You don't want to entertain those things. Amen? Because things that are given attention to tend to multiply. So you don't want to give an attention to, to them. We're going to finish up today our series that we've been doing on sanctification. Somebody said, sanctification? My word, aren't we done with that? No. Remember that sanctification is an instantaneous thing that takes place at the new birth, that we are sanctified by the blood of Jesus Christ through the Holy Ghost. That happens immediately. In other words, we are free from sin, its power, its dominion, its desire. We are freed from it. You are not at the mercy of the pressure of a temptation. You are not there. You are redeemed. And the Bible says, and sin shall have no dominion over you. That's just what it means. You are the one that is in charge of the development of your righteousness and the loosening or the freedom that sin has in your life. Amen. Amen. We're not at the mercy of the devil. 
And then sanctification is an ongoing work. Ephesians 4, 17 through 24 is that we put off the old man. That is a separation of sanctification that we are positioning ourselves that the new man in God, the new man in God, the old man is put off. It is done on a daily basis and is subject to the renewing of a believer's mind. You can't separate yourself from things that are not pleasing to God until you know what they are. You say, well, God will reveal them to me. He did. It's called the Bible. Go in there and read it. Now, I understand that there is going to be struggles. You just don't give up. A righteous man falls seven times, but he gets up the eighth time. He is not detoured by failure. Failure is not something that we cultivate or that we enable to multiply in our life. And so we want to make sure that we don't give credence to it, meditate on it, think about it, expose ourselves to, to it, or to even taste of its pleasures for a moment. Because it doesn't ever stop. A moment turns into two, to three, to four. Phyllis told me to kiss her. I kissed her. My lips have turned raw over the years. I've just, you see, all she would kiss me, kiss me, kiss me, kiss me, kiss me. I mean, I can be out the door headed for the truck. Kiss me, honey, kiss me, kiss me, kiss me. Don't get stuff started that you don't want to keep going. All righty. And so the word sanctification means this. It means to make holy or to make pure, morally, physically, as well as speech and thought. It happens so that you and I can be separated for a God purpose. Sanctification is a separation from evil, from secular purposes, as well as carnality for a purpose that God is revealing. To be cleansed from sin and to be clean from it means that we are no longer subject to it, but we are no longer reaping the benefits of the curse in our life. We are a blessed people because we are sanctified. Amen? Praise God. All right, let's turn our Bibles today to James, the fourth chapter. James, the fourth chapter. Remember, we're talking about sanctification. Where are you, James? Yep, here you are. James 4, and we're going to look at verse... Well, we'll look at verse 4. Now, does anybody know who James is writing to? He's not writing to the world. You know, the Bible is not, a, is not written to the world. The preaching of the gospel is committed to the believer so that the world may know 
the redemptive price and plan of God. But we cannot hold the world to the standards of the righteous. I have heard so many times say, boy, you need to stop that. That'll send you to hell. Well, a sinner is going to hell anyway. And it doesn't much matter what he does in his end term here called life. If he rejects Jesus Christ, that's what he's going to hell for. And so we miss that, and sometimes we try to get the world to live like the church. The world cannot live like the church because they are not empowered by the Holy Ghost. The world cannot live above sin in their self because the law dominates people that are not born again. Romans, the 8th chapter, verse 1 and 2. And so we sometimes think that the world is supposed to change and be like us. No, that's called the new birth. And that's not going to happen until believers share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm talking to you about sanctification, and I am encouraging you and reminding you, don't try to get sinners to live like you live. Be an example. Let them see your good works that they may glorify your heavenly Father which is in heaven. But you cannot get them not to live in sin because it's beyond them, because it's interwoven in their Adamic nature. So to try to get sinners to live right is just a futile attempt to get man to be justified by works. Can't do it. Can't do it. Amen? All right. James, the first chapter, I'll tell you who James is speaking to. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. Greetings. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Now, James calls them brethren. So, James is writing to the church. Somebody say, to the church. To the church. So, the church is being directed to clean up its life. In James, the fourth chapter, verse 4, and it says... Ye adulterers and to adulteresses, know ye not that, the, that whoever, whosoever is the friend of the world is the enemy with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Do ye think that the scripture saith in vain that the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy. But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saideth, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. Submit yourselves therefore unto God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. 
Draw nigh unto God, and he will draw nigh unto you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Now, who is James speaking to? The church. Well, what's he doing? He's telling them that they are in the eyes of God sinners because they are doing what sinful people do. Now, understand this. A man does not get separated from God by making a mistake. Now, you can separate yourself from God by doing a willful, disobedient act that you are fully aware that is not God's will for your life. But when temptation comes, people lose their mind. They lose the God mind, the renewed mind, the mind of Christ. They lose their mind. No ordinary person would exchange eternity for a moment of pleasure. Nobody would exchange heaven for hell. No one would sacrifice their family for an adulterous affair. Temptation steals the established, legitimate mind of righteousness. Now, I don't think that it's a Flip Wilson syndrome. The devil made me do it. You know, the devil doesn't make people do it. He offers you the opportunity to do it. But you are still in charge. Amen? He's still under your feet. You're not under his. You still have a voice that can say, get behind me. You still have a voice that can say, no. You have a voice that can respond to such foolishness. So, temptation comes. But just because it comes, it doesn't mean that it's the end of the battle. Jesus had to fight being tempted. You and I have to fight being tempted. And sometimes the first time that it happens, it's followed by a swift second time, or a third time, or a fourth time. But be encouraged. There's no temptation that has taken you that is not common to every born-again man that with the temptation, God has already created a way of escape. So nobody is guiltless if they sin. But when someone is tempted into a transgression or they fall into sin, then what they do is they begin to be chastened, chastised, they begin to be corrected by God. Now at that time you have not lost your salvation. Well, what if you just slept with a woman and Jesus come back? Well, God has a process. The first thing, he has to convict you. The second thing, he has to deal with you. The third thing, you have to reject him. But if you don't reject him, then it's counted that you have be, been deceived. Now, you can't say, oh, honey, I was deceived by that woman, and you really weren't. Lady called me one time. She said, well, you know a guy that used to go to your church? Uh, 
uh, the woman used to go to your church slept with my husband. I said, it doesn't sound to me like I have a membership problem. It sounds to me like you got a husband problem. She said, but she. I said, you know what, lady? He couldn't, she couldn't do anything that he wasn't following her to do. I said, to take him to the woodshed, beat him up, kick him around, and if you still want to keep him, keep him. Now, when somebody falls into temptation, they really get deceived. And you can, out of that situation, be sincere, humble, and you can be convicted by God, and you can repent of that transgression. That's where we want to pray for people, to come, have them come back to Christ, to awaken to the right state. But understand that there is a place where people can sin, and you can pray for it, but it will not get results. It is dangerous to know right and not do it. Amen? Well, God understands I'm a man. He sure did. That's why he gave you zippers. Isn't God an amazing God? He come up with an invention of a zipper so that men would lose an excuse. Well, go right along. All right. So, we see here in James, the fourth chapter, down to... Uh, verse 9. Be afflicted and mourn. Weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of God and he shall lift you up. The last verse. Speak not evil one of another. Brethren, he that speaketh evil of his brother judges the brother. Speaketh evil of the law and judges the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of a law, but a judge. Now there are certain things that the church that James is writing to is doing. Think of this, they're doing. You say, I can't believe they're like that. Were they any worse than Revelation, the third chapter, where the doctrine of Jezebel was being allowed to be preached? Were there any different about the people that was so confused? They said, we're blessed, we're prosperous, we're rich. Jesus said, you're poor, you're cursed, you're blind. Is it any different than being lukewarm and not even knowing that the burner is not turned on? No, it's no different. That's how deceived that people can get. I've had people tell me that I should retire. What is wrong with them? I heard that in the last row. When are you going to do it? After I do your funeral. I'll retire when I know I'm supposed to retire. Hallelujah. Amen. When somebody can do what I'm doing here and overseas, I'm, I'm going to retire. Hallelujah. Amen. Until then, I'm going to live with my in-laws till they're all gone, vex the devil, and let him think that I am the eternal one. <laughs> I'm not, but he will think that. He'll say, is that guy ever going to die? No. All right. So 
here are things that James has to correct the church on. Now, why is he correcting the church? They have to sanctify themselves. They have drifted away from the consecrated divine purpose of God, and they don't even know it. So James, not in a condemnative way, he tells them, this is what you're doing. They said, oh, man. And I believe they repented. The first thing that needs to happen is you, as a believer, need to submit yourself unto God. And when you do, the devil will flee from you. Secondly, we need to draw nigh to God. Need to draw nigh to God. Cleanse your hands. Purify your hearts. Stop being double-minded. Humble yourselves. Don't speak evil about anybody. And judge not your brethren. When we begin to deal with things and sanctify ourselves from things that God reveals to us, sometimes they're right in your face like James. Boy, when they say, you adulterers, everybody in the place knew who they were. Phil, could I have a microphone? Thank you, baby. I'll let you buy me lunch for helping me. Uh, Is Freeman here? Where's Freeman at? Way back there you are, Freeman. Freeman was telling me a story. And the Bible says in Acts, third chapter, I think it's verse 19 on down, it says that when we begin to separate ourselves, begin to consecrate ourselves, that God will refresh us. And a lot of times we would think, well, I don't need refreshing. But you had an experience, and I said, this is what sanctification is all about. So why don't you tell us about your experience? Now, you're, you th- were a pretty good Christian, you thought so. Your wife never did. But you thought that you were a good Christian. And you ran into a place that you didn't know that you were going to live. You were in the hospital. So tell me from that point on what begins to happen. Every time I would close my eyes, there was a black line across the top. And I knew there was something wrong. So I did just what you just read. I humbled myself and submitted myself to God. And then he started working on me. And the scripture he gave me is in the 21st chapter of Matthew 44. The stone which the builders reject became the head of the corner. And if that stone, if you fall on that stone, he will humble you and But if that stone falls on you, he will grind you to powder. So I decided I'm going to fall on that stone. (laughs) He broke me. It was, I can't explain it. 
but the power of God. I had to make one phone call. It was at 9.30 at night in the hospital. I said, man, I can't do that. And I said, I'm going to do it. I said, I'm going to do it. You're not going to stop me. I did it, and it opened up the heavens. Now, wait a second. Why did you make a phone call? Because there was something in my heart I knew I had to do to get. He did regard to iniquity in his heart. The Lord won't hear him when he prays. So what God revealed to you was that you had things in your heart that you had moved on from. Yeah. I okay. could, but it but didn't satisfy. See, Satan had chance to come into my life, and that's what he did, because I didn't take care of that thing. And when I took care of that, it left. It's just like he says, resist the devil. He'll flee from you. He has never bothered me with that again, never. Like I told you, if, if he has a chance to come in and open it, I really thought I was going to die when I was in that hospital. I needed somebody to talk to, so I called Bob Fizzle in Florida. And oh my goodness, he got me set back that I said, I'm going to fight and I'm coming out of this. And that's when I did. But I had to repent. I had to get, you cannot hide anything. If you have something that you know that's in your heart, you got to get rid of it. If Forgive you me, don't, Joe. if you don't, Forgive me, Joe. you won't have a chance. The Lord showed me, he said, I've seen the wicked buried. They come and go on from the place of the holy. That's in Ecclesiastic 8. And, and so, you know, he showed me all these scriptures. And when I come home, I started studying. And I always, I envied Jesse DePlanis because he had a fellowship with Jesus. Well, Jesus showed me how to do that. He says, when you read Matthew, Mark, Luke and John in red, that's the will of the Father. You learn, you've, I would read this, when I came home, I would read those scriptures. I've been studying, I would read the red. I've talked to Jesus just like you and I are talking. And he, and he, and he would show me the Father. And then I learned how to go to the throne room of God. And I came in, and I will never forget this one night in the hospital, I was laying there. And I went to the throne, I went to the courts of heaven, and Jesus is my attorney. The Father was sitting on the, on the throne, because he's the great judge. And I put my petition before him. And pastor, I heard it. He slapped his gavel, granite, just like that. It was granite, I was done, and boy, it, everything broke. Satan had no chance to bother me again. I could tell, it just goes on and on, but I... So you went down through, you just started, but you kept dealing with things that gone. Anything, I said, Lord, I just did like David said, show me my heart, show it to me. And I had to get rid of it. I had to have it, I had to be clean. You can't, you cannot regard any iniquity in your heart if you want the fullness of God. And I'm telling you, it opened up the scriptures to me. Now, instead of laying in the bed and looking at my cell phone, I lay in bed and I studied this. The first 20 years of my life when I was saved, the Holy Ghost taught me the Bible. I was single. I would play the Bible in my, through the house on an intercom system 24-7. And I, he taught me the word. You can ask her. 
if you speak about something you're going to preach on, I tell her where to turn because the Lord would show me. And, and that's just, now I'm back to that point. I have been away from that for years. And I missed it so much, but I, I just couldn't, didn't know how I really can get back to that point. But when you face death, you will find a way. I will tell you that. That's all I can say. So this sanctification series is all about <clears throat> us moving things out of our life, not only by our own thoughts or judgments, but by the help of the Word of God and by the Holy Ghost. Because the devil disassociated these 12 tribes from God and his purpose. They didn't even know it. So, God gave them a word. They had to accept the word, had to apply the word, and they began to sanctify themselves and started living by faith again. There is a war that is going on. It is a war of iniquity against righteousness. It says in 1 Peter 2.11, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as a stranger and a pilgrim. Abstain from fleshly lust which war against your soul. That wars against your soul. And there is a fight for your soul. There is a fight to disconnect you from the purpose of God. Could I have Galatians 5.14 on the screen? And so, when these things are taking place, we as a church have to take time. 1 Corinthians 2.9.13, he that is spiritual judges all things. Why? He doesn't trust anything except God. And then it says this, for the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that you be not consumed one of another. This I say then, walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh, then these are contrary one to another, so that you cannot do the things which you would. But if you be led of the Spirit, you are not under the law. And then it goes on down and talks about the works of the flesh. Why does Paul write to a sanctified church about the works of the flesh? Because they have shut off the empowerment and the enablement of a believer to walk in the Spirit. These things will accumulate through your life. And you may be like Freeman, and like 99.9% .9 of the church is that we move on from things, but we don't deal with the issue that sparked the separation. And we walk away, and something is between us and God. Freeman said that the Lord spoke to him. In other words, the voice of the Lord was refreshed in Freeman's life. 
The hunger for the word was refreshed in Freeman's life. The joy of fellowship was refreshed in Freeman's life. This was because things got out of the way and God was able to visit Freeman. Now, God wants to do that in every person's life. Sanctification is one of the things or one of the ways that we seek God through. If we want to seek God, we clear what is in between us and God. Amen? All right, let's go to 2 Corinthians 7.1. And we're headed somewhere and we're moving someplace. I know that you might not know, and I might not know, but we'll get there. <laughs> Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves. Somebody say, cleanse ourselves. This is our responsibility. The Holy Ghost supplies the enablement. Cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of the Lord. There are two things that man has to deal with. The filth of the flesh and of the spirit. There are spiritual sins and there are moral sins. There are things that we do to disrupt and break our relationship with God and there are things that we do that allow Satan to rule us and to have sway over us in our life. So we are to deal with the filthiness of the flesh. How do we find out what's filthy? In the Bible. Don't be afraid to find it. Be open to find it. And then of the Spirit. Don't be afraid to find it. Be open to find it. Now let's go to Acts 19.14. 19.14, we're pretty well mindful uh, of this verse. And it says, and there were seven sons of Sceva. Seven sons of Sceva were the sons of a priest. And they were Jews and the of the chief priest which, which did so. And the evil spirit spoke to them, answered them, and said, Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who are you? Please take this note. Everything that you have not let go, anything that you have put in front of God, the devil knows that he has an advantage over you. Next verse. And it says, And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, overcame them, prevailed against them, so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. And this was known to all the Jews and the Greeks also dwelling at Ephesus. And fear fell on them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. And many that believed, this is the same case as is with Galatians and as is with James, Many that believe came and confessed and showed the deeds that they were practicing in the dark. 
God didn't just let them burn them. He didn't just let them throw them away, slip them under the table. No, God wanted them in the open. Shame sin when it tries to dominate you. And it says, and many of them also, which used curious arts, brought their books together, burned them. Now, these are Christians studying witchcraft, astrology, palm reading. And it says, and they brought their books together and burned them before all men. And they counted the price of them and found them 50,000 pieces of silver. One translation says 50,000 days of employment. And then it says, and so mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. Do you know that when we have these things that are unclean, things that are separating us from God, and we as believers do not deal with them, then understand that God is unable to prevail against your enemies. Well, God can do anything. Well, he can't save an unrepentant sinner. And he can't lead most Christians. Just a thought. But here we see that when Paul demonstrated the authority that those that were believers that were behind closed doors in their lives with their neighbors, with other brothers that were seeking the dark side of the spiritual realm that they got convicted. Now that may bring us to a very valid point that the reason that sin abounds in the church is because no one will stand up and do right. If we will stand up and sanctify ourselves, others will follow. The Word of God will prevail, and it will increase and multiply. The church is in desperate need of a protection from God and a deliverance from evil spirits. I might say, oh, you, are, you mean we, we got devils? Well, I wouldn't say that, but you would, and I agree with you. I'm very agreeable with people that are right. And uh, so, there are many types of spirits. You remember in Luke, the 13th chapter, a woman that was bowed over for 18 years? Not one person tried to help that woman or get her free. How about in Mark, the 5th chapter, where the man lived in the caves of the Gadarenes? A whole section of Israel encompassed by darkness. Now, where did that get started? Somebody did not sanctify their self. And they opened the door. And pretty soon, every unclean practice was being carried out in that upper region of the mountains of Israel. Well, we know he was buck naked. 
Didn't say he worked at a striptease joint. Said he was buck naked. I think it had to do with moral impurities. I think it had to do with the beginning of maybe magazines, maybe, you know, lustful thoughts, maybe uh, sexual wrongs. But he ended up, might have been pornography, I don't know. But this man ended up so polluted that the devil started an undermarket of unclean things happening in Israel. Folks, it's important that we stay away from this type of stuff. You think that it's going to promise you something. It does. Hell. It promises you brokenness, destruction, thievery, broken families. That's what it promises you. And then we realize that when they saw that, they come and they brought their curious arts. Well, those spirits that were in Luke, the spirits that were in Mark, are still here today. The Bible says that this spirit came up on this young boy and he was deaf and dumb. That spirit is still here today. And it's still looking for somebody to bind. And so when we would say, oh, there aren't that many devils here. Well, who told you they decreased? The same people told you the gifts of the spirit have passed away. Healing is not for today. Faith doesn't work. Just who did you hear that from? It's not true. Devils are here, and they are active today. And the evidence just has to be when somebody says they don't exist, they have opened a door of internal involvement in people's lives. Some lady said, well, I can't attend your church anymore. I said, why? She said, all you talk about is the devil. I said, well, let's talk about the one that's got you. Well, she never came back. So, no, I'm serious. These devils are active. They're coming into our homes by television. They take captive our children by music. And some of us have not broken the addiction to you know, the guy that stole our wives and took our trailer and took our hunting dog and the, the truck that only had three wheels. And we're saying you picked the long time to, to what, what was it? You picked the wrong time to leave me, Lucille. You know, folks, I'm telling you, we invite the devil in because of our lack of temperance and the lack of our interest in what God wants to do in our life. We need to stop it. Genesis 41, 7 through 14, where God gave a dream to Pharaoh. The first thing that Pharaoh turns to are the magicians, people that deal in the dark side of the spiritual realm. They were witches. 
And he called upon them and they said, we can't help you. But then they called upon a man named Joseph. And Joseph was able to interpret their dream, Pharaoh's dream. Do you realize that Pharaoh was so overwhelmed by Joseph being used of God, he surrendered the well-being of Egypt to a man that had just come out of prison. You think that God could give us the place of power, authority, and favor if we lived a righteous life? Yes, yes. Ephesians 7.10 says, we are not to let a witch live. We are not to let a witch live. All types of shows on TV about witches. We turn them on and we watch, uh, what, I'm just trying to remember this one. I've seen this crazy woman on uh, Medium of New York or whatever. She talked to dead people. And the people that were listening to her were so encouraged. And then she crowns it by saying, well, this is a gift from God. That's not a gift from God. You're not supposed to talk to dead people. But we have shows. We have all kinds of things that bring this stuff into our home. We are not to allow it. Can I have Deuteronomy, the 18th chapter, verse 10? Deuteronomy 18.10. We have things at our homes that we got as gifts, Ouija boards. If I was you, I'd Ouija it out of there. Tarot cards, palm reading. I want to see, do you have a long lifeline? Well, it's as long as God wants it to be. When it's over, it'll be over. You know, astrology. People are enamored by astrology. What sign are you? I'm of the sign of the crossites. Which one are you? Then we go to Chinese restaurant. Hey, I'm a, I'm a turkey. I, I mean, I, I don't know if they have turkey. I'm a lion. I, I, I'm a rooster. I'm a this. I'm a that. How about just being a Christian? Deuteronomy 18.10 says this, And there shall not be found among you anyone that maketh his son or his daughter to pass through fire, or that uses divination, or an observer of times, astrologies, or an enchanter, or a witch, or a charmer, that's what Phyllis is, or a consulter with familiar spirits, or a wizard, or a necromancer. And all that do these things are an abomination unto the Lord. And because of these things, the abominations, the Lord thy God doth drive them out from before you. And thou shalt be perfect with the Lord thy God. We are to perfect purity. God tells us things that make us or get us blemished. Now I know that some of you 
You know, I called a lady one time, Lincoln and I were going by a uh, fortune teller. He said, Papa, what is that? I said, well, I don't know. Let's call her and see. So I called her. She had an answering machine. She said, leave your name. And I said, well, if you're as good as you have on your sign, you'll know my name. Please give me a call. I told Lincoln, I said, the woman doesn't even tell our name. How could she tell our future? I said, don't trust people like that, Lincoln. You know, if you call her and she says, hey, your name is Lincoln. You're good looking. You got money. I said, there, number one, she knows you're lying to her. And, uh, you know, then, but you can't listen to people. People have charms around their necks. You know, we get all kinds of stuff from neighbors and things like that. You know, Chinese stress balls or whatever they are. I just throw them away. Why? Because I'm already stressed. I don't need any help. Isn't that what stress bars do? Stress you or de-stress you? Really? I should have kept them. Anyway, no, not really. No, I throw that stuff away. You know, I won't take books from people that I don't know. I don't take pictures. I just don't like that type of stuff coming into my house. That's why when I get one Chinese restaurant, that's where I stay put. You don't know what you're going to get. Somebody be casting a spell on your hot and sour soup. No, what I'm telling you is we have to get rid of this stuff. You have charms around your neck. You have this or you have that. Get rid of that stuff. Get rid of it. You don't need a symbol of lucky. You need a symbol of blessed. Amen? Amen? All right. Let's go to uh, one more scripture. Let's go to uh, Philippians, the third chapter, verse 7. The third chapter, verse 7. This is why we sanctify ourselves. And this is to be our pursuit. But what things were gained to me, though I, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ, Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung that I may win Christ and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. That I may know him, the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering, being made conformable to his death. And if by any means I might attain to the resurrection of the dead. Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after that for which I have been apprehended for that which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forth into those things 
which are before. I press towards the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. When the devil came, Jesus said, Satan comes, but he has nothing in me. I'm telling you, the devil is wanting to silence you, keep you inactive, strip you of blessing and of power. But if you will resist him, get rid of things that are unnecessary. Get things that are not expedient and start consecrating yourself and return to your first love and say, God, show me what I need to get rid of my, out of my life. Show me what is offensive to you. Show me what is not a good witness for you. Show me, God. And God, if you show me, I will be sincere, humble myself, and I will sanctify myself from those things that separate me from you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's stand our feet today. <clears throat> Wednesday night, I'm starting a series that is going to be entitled The Doctrines of the Bible. We're going to be talking about the doctrines of the Bible. Ephesians, I'm sorry, Hebrews 6, 1 through 3. So you don't want to miss that. Next month, starting next Sunday, I am going to be teaching on subjects out of the book of Revelations. What's next? Why isn't the word rapture in the Bible? What, what is the mark of the beast? Is it COVID? Is it a, a flea? Is it a chip? What is it? Can we be deceived in taking it? How can we face these things? What is next on the time frames of God? Where are we in compliance to the return of Jesus Christ? There's a reason that we're talking about sanctifying, being holy. I'm telling you, Jesus is going to return. Jesus is going to return. So let us prepare and make ourselves ready. Amen? All right. Before we let go, we're going to dedicate a little baby today. Phyllis, will you come up here? I'll anoint you with oil and dedicate you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Is it, where is it? Okay. I'm, I just treat them like I do Phyllis. Phyllis says, take your trash out. Now. Now. I said, honey, I'm getting up. Hurry it up. Yeah. No, you aren't getting the mic. You're going to pay attention right here. I didn't notice it was running over. Oh, he would leave it like this. I just pulled the bag up. What? I don't want to waste things. 
Yes, isn't she beautiful? She's beautiful. She, I, she gets that from a mother and a grandmother. I've seen the father and the grandfather. Josette. Josette. Isn't that beautiful? Josette. Where did you come up with that name? Okay. Wow. Josette, well, that's a beautiful name. You did. She made the dress. Isn't that gorgeous? Yes, ma'am. All righty. God will increase is her name, honey. Or wow. It represents that. Josette That's what it means. Davina Beringer. Wow. Beautiful. Hallelujah. Everybody stretch forth your hand. We're yeah. going to pray a blessing upon <laughs> Josette. <laughs> and we're going to pray that, number one, none of these childhood diseases will come upon you. You're going to be a healthy little baby. Number two, that God will provide for you. No matter where you go, God's going to provide for you. Yeah, I'm excited about that too. And then we're going to pray that the gifts that God has put in you will be seen by all the people around you so that they will be able to use their gifts to cultivate yours so that when they release you, you'll hit the target. And then we're going to pray that you will always desire righteousness. That you will walk in the ways of the Lord. Okay? Okay. All right. Okay. Now, grandparents, you know, you know, this child is an extension of your dedication. If you're not dedicated, this child will not flourish she has to have godly counsel godly care yes and godly instruction to become all that she needs to be what no no you can't eat can't eat all right so father in the name of jesus now, God, we understand that we are being consecrated right alongside of this young gift that you've given this couple. We pray right now, God, that no matter where she goes, God, from the very moment that we're praying now, that God is she is committed to you, that God, you will provide for her. God, through her life, into her college, God, and into, if so be, the married life. God, let her prosper and abound in blessing. Then, God, we pray that you would protect her from all childhood diseases. God, she is the seed of the righteous. And, God, you declared that you...
God, she is your will for this couple. And God let her and she leaves the nest. That God, her parents will hear. Well done, good and faithful servants. Now God, we consecrate her to you. And God, we consecrate ourselves to you to be of service to her. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. That's it. Your 15 minutes of glory over. No. <laughs> Hallelujah. Congratulations, guys. You aren't going to have a goatee on you. Like him? Oh, Lord Jesus. Help this child. No, John. Hallelujah. Praise God. Give Jesus a round of applause. We love him. Hallelujah. One more thing before we leave. Every head bowed. If you're here today, Jesus wants you free from sin. He wants you separated for his purpose. Because God's thoughts concerning you are nothing but good. And I pray that you would hear the voice of God that tells you, I'm here, come unto me. God has a plan for your purpose. How lost we are. How we see very dimly why we live. But God is here today to say to you that he sent his only begotten son, that whosoever, that's you, and that was me. Whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You don't have to be perfect. That's the work of God. And God has your name today. And he's calling you. I don't know if it's Jim, Joe, David, Sarah, Cindy. Joan, I don't know, but I do know that God is here to save people. And you're here because you know you need salvation. If you're here today, I'm going to ask you to simply raise your hand up in the air wherever you are and say, Pastor, please pray for me. I need Jesus Christ into my life. Or if you see somebody, please get my attention. Everybody's had to make that choice. Today is your choice. All righty, Father, I loose right now the blessings of God upon every person that's in this sanctuary. I ask God that you would bless their homes open their eyes put in them god a hunger and a thirst that you will draw them god to you hallelujah hallelujah and you know god does accept repentance from right where you are and god does accept your salvation as you call upon him right now and we want to thank you for receiving Jesus Christ. 
Now, God, go with these people. God, bless them and make ways for them where there is no way. And God, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. We will see you Wednesday evening at 7 o'clock. God bless you.